Welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with me, your host, Hattie Butterworth. I'm a cellist and writer in my final year at the Royal College of Music in London, and I think we need a new way of talking. I've spent many, many years feeling in the dark about issues in the classical music profession. So often it can feel like you're the only person struggling with anxiety, depression, career doubts, money, injuries, and so much more. Who do we go to when we feel we've had enough, for whatever reason? Join me and guests as we end the stigma with honest conversations about the things musicians don't talk about. Hello everyone, welcome back. Uh, It's been a few weeks and I'm sorry about that, but also um, it's been a really wonderful, weird and just strange time for me. I think August was, yeah... A hard month, actually, and I did put out a few podcasts at the start of the month, but um, I think, yeah, I was pushing forward in a time where it was quite clear that I really needed to take a step back. So I'm glad that I did after doing those podcasts that I had a bit of a break. And I mean, I didn't really have a break because I also finished my degree. So I uh, recorded my recital about 10 days ago now so I recorded it at RCM and submitted it and I have officially finished and graduated so I probably should actually um, edit the intro for this podcast that says that I'm you know in my final year at the Royal College because you know what not anymore I'm now in the big wide world um yeah so it was a struggle to the end and I mean I did speak in my solo episode about my recent struggles over the last few months with um my anxiety disorder and basically August you know everything came to a head and I struggled a lot and I very was very lucky in that I found some wonderful um healing and treatment and yes I'm now doing so much better and I'm so so pleased to be able to say that because it was a very dark time and you know, if there was anybody else that felt like they had to struggle to the end of their degree, I'm with you because it was really hard. And yeah, I had a lot of conversations with um, my head of year, my head of uh, department, sorry, and other people about, you know, maybe having to defer or what I might have to do because I there was a stage where I really couldn't practice at all. And, you know, I, I could quite easily just skim over what happened but, you know, we're being real here, we're being honest, and yeah, we don't talk often about when it goes wrong and when things are hard, and yes, I was able to get to the end, and I'm really, really pleased about that, and I mean, medication helped me, um, therapy helped me, and, you know, my family and friends really supported me right to the end, and I know there are times where people don't have access to those kinds of things and you do have to defer and that can feel really hard. So if you have had to defer this year or you have struggled to the end of your degree and it hasn't felt quite like the celebration you were hoping for, I'm with you there um, completely. But, you know, I'm just grateful to be able to say that I'm so much better now and that I've finished and I've also had a big move. So I moved out of my flat in London that I was sharing with my sister And now I am living in Shropshire, which is bizarre, but it's sort of the best place for me at the moment 
because it's very close to Manchester and London where lots of my friends are and lots of opportunities are. So I'm going to be doing some commuting, some teaching. It's just a hard time. You know, I'm having basically a gap year before I start some sort of master's, which also is very unknown. But yeah, I'm enjoying my time here so far. It's just so much more quiet than London. That's the number one thing and a lot easier to um, live every day a lot slower but I am drinking a lot of coffee and going <laughs> going out a lot um, on walks. And yeah, I'm having a good time, actually. Um, how are you all doing? I hope if you are starting a new course or going into the next year of study or just graduated or looking for a job, I hope you're all doing really well and I'm sending you all my best wishes. Um, but yeah, enough of me because today's podcast is not anything to do with me. It's completely um, about a wonderful musician called Richard Lewis, who has recently made an incredibly brave decision to leave behind the business world that he was immersed in for many years and full-time dedicate his energy into a new project um, which aims to help artists and business people talk to each other and find a middle ground between being an artist and wanting to help people but also wanting to earn a living and wanting to create something um, with a business-minded attitude. So we had such a fascinating conversation. Richard's um, has been a musician all his life and he'll talk more about that but also he studied maths at Cambridge and was really involved in that world. And he talks about how maths was actually a more creative outlet for him at the start. And then as time went on, he realised as it got harder and as the people got... Yeah, as he realised his friends were were more musician-minded, that actually maybe the place was in the music world and was in the creative world. Um, But yeah, we talk about his degree in maths and the motivation behind that and then moving into the business world and his work in consulting and now he has some fascinating incredible plans for the future and we talk about how you can get involved um so please do listen and i really hope you find this as inspiring and completely educational as i did because you know my knowledge of the business and maths world is incredibly limited i'm not going to pretend i know anything about it but richard explains it in such um an accessible way and yes i I really hope you enjoy it hi richard thanks so much for joining us today hi hattie great to be here yeah how are you doing at the moment i'm i'm doing really well actually um it's been been quite a roller coaster couple of weeks because I I uh, finished up my my old day job a, a couple of weeks ago, and um, I've been working hard to to work on on all the new ideas I've been having, which oh. I'm sure we'll be talking about. Yeah, it is such a weird transition time because I've actually just moved out of London and I'm now in exciting. Yeah, I'm now in Shropshire of all places. Wow, <laughs> which is is fun. So I'm I'm here just for the sort of foreseeable future as I like try and find you know work or whatever but yeah it's yeah. kind of funny people seem to be all over the place at the moment which is yeah. interesting but um yeah so you have a really interesting path 
into the music world, which we um, messaged a bit about. And I kind of thought it would be interesting if you could start by telling us your musical background and maybe your story in general up until now. Sure. So music's always always been a such a powerful central part of my life it took me until now to realize quite how big a thing it was for me I was always interested in music since I was maybe about 10 or 11 I was listening to uh, classic FM before I went to bed every night <laughs> mm-hmm. and and then I started playing the piano and I started trying to write music and then I, I got to playing in orchestras at, at school and and then when I when I got to uni, I, I really took the opportunity to perform a bit more, which was really fun. And then it was it was after uni when I started started out in the real world. I had I had a year without doing much music, but then I realised I I felt like there was there was an avenue there for me, and I needed to work out what it was. So I was a bit more focused about trying different things. So I, I tried doing some orchestration, uh, a bit more playing a bit more orchestra stuff um, and focusing a lot more on on the piano. And I started learning some jazz piano as well. So really trying out loads of things. Well, while I was doing all of that, I was learning maths and uh, ended up spending five years in the city doing consulting work, using quite a bit of maths. And for a while, that was that was fun. That was what I wanted to do. And I was learning a lot about how that part of the world works. But as I identified my identity as an artist, um, I was struggling to, uh, to feel like I was helping people in the way I was supposed to help. And this all sort of culminated in lockdown, but I, I also had a six-month sabbatical last year to try out being a musician full-time. And I also went on a, a really interesting leadership and, and marketing course called the, the Alt-MBA which really opens a lot of doors for me a lot, and opened my eyes to lots of things outside the maths part of the business world. In the end, I realized that there were lots of people that I wanted to help, but it probably wasn't going to be much to do with, with maths anymore. Mm-hmm. So I had to make that big, that big switch, which uh, I think my boss said it, said it looked very extreme. But for me, it's just the only way to keep to keep being me. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm working on now is is helping artists and and people in the business world talk to each other and build a community. That is, yeah, that is a fascinating story and something that I think a lot of people are wanting to do. But I think very few musicians really understand the business world on the level that you clearly do. Um, and I just thought maybe you could tell us a bit more about your experience at uni, you know, why did you choose maths and business? And, and how, what was your experience at uni with that? Was that your passion at the time? Or did it feel like you were kind of coming away from yourself to do that? It's, it's weird, because if I go back, if I think back to school, I was one of those weird kids who, who did extra maths homework for fun. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I must have really loved it. And I, I did love it. I think my sisters said that I I got up before breakfast to to solve simultaneous equations or something. But at, at the same time, I, I was also also playing a lot of music. And I think I just had this message that if I wanted to sustain myself, I guess, have independence and have freedom, 
which when you're a kid growing up, that's, that's what you think being an adult is all about. Mm. For whatever reason, I thought to do that, I had a choice between being a musician and studying maths and, and doing a, a maths related job. I guess I just kind of made that assumption that because I seem to really enjoy math, no matter how much I enjoyed music, maths was, had, had to be the thing that I studied first. Mm. I, I think the, the thing I told people is that I could always do music as a hobby, but I couldn't do maths as a hobby. So I had to do it that way around. And looking, looking back on it, it, at the time, it all felt very sensible. It felt like I was being very grown up. But looking back on it, I didn't know myself the way I do now. And to get to where I am now, I, I, I feel like I had to learn lots of maths. But that mm. was just something something about me. And yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely a big part of how I think about the world. I'm sure I can talk about that in a bit because it's, it's maybe maybe not what other people mean when they, when they say they, yeah. they think in terms of maths. I enjoyed it, but I, to, to sum up, I was rambling a bit, but to sum up, at uni, I kind of found my limit. I reached the point where maths was getting more frustrating than enjoyable. And meanwhile, music, because of course I'd kept it as my hobby, uh, was just kept on being more and more, more and more fun. So in, in the end, that was what I fell in love with. Yeah. Is it something that you kept going through uni in terms of playing with other people or was it like a private sort of hobby that you had? For a lot of time, it was very private. I, there were definitely times where I, I decided to stay in my room playing on my keyboard <laughs> instead of going to the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was when I got addicted, I think, to playing the piano. Yeah. But also be- because it, cause there, were, there were so many new people to meet once I kind of got over the initial fear that I think all of us have when we're in uni. My way of making friends was basically to try and join orchestras and, and try and do some chamber music. And um, at the time it was all, all classical music because I just thought music equals classical music. So I just, yeah, but there was so much of that world I'd, I don't only really scratch the surface of it at school. And I kind of was thinking as well, I mean, my mum actually is always talking about, you know, is there this link between maths and music? You know, is there this mm. link? I mean, what, how do you see the link for you anyway? Mm. Because they're both clearly passions that run alongside each other for you. But how do mm. they relate? Quite a hard question, probably. It, it is, but it's people ask it a lot. I, yeah, I get they it do. a lot. It's, um, it's it's a very interesting one it it's a dance it's it's kind of one of the oldest dances that that humans have been thinking about maybe sometimes fighting about mm. and it's it's because music is consists of patterns roughly <laughs> and usually when you describe patterns you can use numbers mm. and i think you end up with this this tension, this dance, because as soon as you try to put numbers onto the patterns that are in music, you take some of the magic away. Mm. But then as soon as go back to thinking about it like magic, then at some point you'll want to hold on to it or find some way of talking about it with your friend. Yeah. And then you start to look for tools and then of course you need some numbers to start pinning it down so I, I think it's a very magical link and I, I think it goes far deeper than just 
counting the number of notes mm -hmm. in a scale or, or that kind of thing. I think, especially with the music of Bach, I think is some of my favorite music, but because it, it feels like it has this purity, it feels like he knows about this dance very well. Mm. It feels like he's, he's able to just let it happen, kind of let, let the moments of magic emerge when they want to, but also keeping this these beautiful symmetries these beautiful patterns mm. and regularities which kind of contribute to make it very soothing but also very beautiful yeah thank you for explaining that so well I, I mean I think there has been quite a binary way of looking at maths and music hasn't there it's been sort mm. of like there are these musicians that are mathematical and then there are these musicians yeah. that feel and <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. not I love that you explain it as like a, a dance and yeah, shifting from one to the other in a balance. And mm. I, I think that's such a good way of explaining it. And it makes me more interested in maths, if you know what I mean. Great. Yeah. Because <laughs> obviously it's I think... well, not obviously, but you know, it's not something I've thought about since GCSE at all. Yeah, so. G GCSE, they, I don't think they talk about magic when they talk about maths. <laughs> not remotely, no. But yeah, oh goodness, I, that that really did hit something. <laughs> I just want to know, what was it maybe about the music world that turned you off? Or did it turn you off when you were younger? You know, even you've spoken mm. about how obviously you could keep music as a hobby. But was there a reason other than that that you thought, no, actually, I'd rather go into mathsy business things? <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't the people. All, all of my friends at school were musicians, basically. And even at uni, I, I felt like I had a lot more in common with people who were playing music than people mm. who, were, who were doing maths. Um, and then I, I kind of kept feeling that when I, when I was out in the, in the real world after, after uni. Um, I think, I think may, maybe this is good to think about in terms of, in terms of creativity because I actually had more of a sense of discovering my own creativity with maths mm. than with music. I, I think even as, as as simple as just the the act of writing down all of the equations and all the steps in solving a maths problem, in a way, felt more creative than the kinds of musical activities that I was. I was used to doing and encouraged to do even um even composing I, I think a lot of people around that age when they're kind of teenagers feel this huge weight of tradition yeah that, for sure. that you're you're kind of sitting there listening to Bach yeah. <laughs> and Marla I was, was Marla was my absolute favorite when I was um 17 18 and and thinking well what's the point of me trying to top that <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, once I you have these mean. masterpieces that's yeah well why would I even think about writing it I might as I might as well just just try and play it so I, I the high points of that time of my life were, were things like getting to getting to play Mahler's fifth symphony with with my my county orchestra which was which was so exciting and mm. such like a, a sort of dream come true but it yeah it all felt like the important bit of music was the masterpieces that were already there. So the music that yeah. had already been played that you could, if you practiced enough, kind of get to experience some of that for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. A, 
which was really exciting. I, I, I kept on hammering away at the piano, trying to, trying to learn more of the repertoire and the clarinet as well, because that, that's, that's why I was playing in, in the orchestras. Oh, wow. And I definitely really enjoyed it, but it, yeah, it just didn't feel as, as creative. I, it felt like it would, when I did try to write music, and I, I did, I, I got a few, a few performances done while I was at school of things I'd written, which was, which was really cool. But the amount of work you had to put in to, to write it all down and then convince mm. someone to play it and all of that, and all the while thinking, but it's not as good as Mahler. It was just a bit too, <laughs> it's just a bit too much, I think. Uh, maths felt a lot kind of well-defined in terms of a, a place to, yeah. to create things. Yeah, I think... And it felt accessible in a way. I think that's so interesting because... You, you know, even though you clearly thought that maths was therefore the, the place to go to, I still think that I've had so many of the same feelings about playing great music. And mm. it's this thing of like, I can only, I feel like I sometimes can only be creative up to a point because I can recreate a piece that someone's written. But I still kind of know it'll never be quite as good, say, as Yo-Yo Ma playing it or mm. whatever. And, and it is you do have to fight quite hard against that doubt mm. and say, well, no, I do have something special to bring to it. That's so interesting that you felt, in a way, sort of more restricted by music and more f freed by maths. And I'm just wondering if, um, you know, your current love of improvising, is that where it broke down the barrier, do you think, where you suddenly saw music as something more creative for you? Yeah, I I think that's it. I think it sort of happened in two stages. So mm. at uni, math stopped feeling like a fun place that I could play. It was it was just really hard. I, everyone has their limit with maths. I think most most people have a limit around GCSE <laughs> level, sure. um, and then other other people take it a bit further. But every, yeah, it gets really hard. And it it was funny when I when I left uni I, I just assumed that everyone else kind of had a similar kind of experience and I had to keep reminding myself that no maths is supposed to just be really hard yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose having gone through uh, my childhood just finding all of maths really easy it was um it took a bit of getting used to the fact that that yeah maths does just get a bit a bit crazy so yeah I found my limit and so it stopped being fun which yeah that was that was a really hard time actually mm. I think um I'd pinned a lot of my hopes and dreams on on being able to just keep enjoying maths forever mm. and um but in in a way looking back I think that was me hiding from from finding my true creative outlet because after a, a year I where I didn't really well I started my my consulting work, but I wasn't really doing nearly as much maths as at, as at uni. And I wasn't playing music at all for about a year, really. But then after that, when I started trying things out, I, I started, I guess, with a bit more of, I want to say grown up, but I definitely was <laughs> still yeah. not grown up. Um, but no, I don't with, with a bit more, a bit more life experience, I was looking at music uh, and thinking, what am I actually trying to do to here? What do I actually love about it? what's the reality what 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 are the experiences i'm looking for and 
And so I knew it had something to do with playing music and probably writing music as well, because I kept on trying to do some of that. Um, I just found myself moving more and more away from writing things down. And, th and then there was actually a session I had with someone who improvises a lot. And he just told me to, to, to just make something up on the spot. And I don't think anyone had asked me to do that. And no one had literally given me permission mm. to do that before. And that was, that was a really big turning point. I, at that point, I, I met a couple of other, a, a couple of jazz musicians as well, who kind of introduced me to that way of looking at things. And, and I started listening to more music. I think that was, that was the big one because I, mm. I grew up and I was only really listening to classical music for, for a long time. I, I didn't even have, have a pair of headphones until I was like 21 or something crazy. It's mm -hmm. very weird. I, I think because I was listening like every evening and going to live concerts and, and I was playing it that I, I didn't think I had to listen yeah. as much. Um, I wasn't cultivating much curiosity about other music that, that I hadn't been introduced to. And so I think with maths kind of gone in a way, uh, I suddenly had this space where I felt this need to, to discover all, all this music that I hadn't been experiencing before. Mm. So, so I, I just started listening to everything. I think it's an amazing world we're in where you, you've got Spotify, you can just listen to endless endless variety of music yeah it's, it's crazy and and so i i'm still on that well i i feel like i've got used to being on that journey now and realizing that that's that's such an important side of it and and then knowing that that there were places where people would let me improvise mm. I, that got me thinking do i do i have to write it down if i write music does does it have to be written down for it to count and that kind of started off a, a big journey of um coming to terms with with how I saw myself as as an artist and I realized that I I just love trying to squeeze the artistic process into a moment into yeah. a into a piece of music and that's that's a, a a huge driving force for for all of the practicing and all of the all of my creative process, really. There, there was a moment where I thought back to when I was about 13 and I, I was showing my mum a, a piece of music that I'd written and I was telling her it doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound, um, doesn't sound like it's supposed to. And I think there were two aspects of that I've now realised kind of 10 years later. One is there's a huge amount of craft involved. If you're speaking a certain language, then mm. you can kind of go a lot deeper, more reliably, if you've spent the time immersed in, in that language and in that craft, just like speaking any uh, spoken language. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was one thing. And um, so now I, I'm very focused on which bits of my craft I'm trying to learn about and develop. But the other one, the, probably the even bigger one for me, was this feeling of spontaneity. Someone said that 
composition is just improvisation in slow motion and improvisation is is just composition but in the moment and that they they are the same thing because you're trying to create music which music is is there and then it's gone mm-hmm. i i really really believe the best music sounds spontaneous yeah definitely and how long ago was this um the the moment that you were allowed to improvise how long ago was that that you discovered it oh that was i think that was about three years ago wow so it's all happened so so quickly yeah it was it was just like everything had been waiting there for me i just needed to yeah to open the door to it was there any kind of doubt that you know there are other people that have been doing this for so many years and yeah you know did you have all that kind of yeah that was that was was, um, I think that was a big uh blocker for kind of keeping me doing my 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 day job um because I thought well the only uh if I want to do music if I if I want to share my myself as an artist with the world then the only path to do that is to go and become Keith Jarrett or go and become <laughs> Yo-Yo Ma or yeah. someone which is not a very good strategy because there aren't that many of them and there, yeah. are, there are lots of musicians so um yeah I I think it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that there's always luck involved in those kinds of career yeah. trajectories but then if if you kind of learn about some of some of those people as people um and and starting to learn about their processes and, and things that they struggle with i was able to see it a lot more as as people just just working with what they had mm. and really giving their all when they had the opportunity and so eventually i was able to really commit to being me rather than being the next Keith Jarrett (laughs) Mm, I love that I love that because who's there are so many rules unwritten rules maybe but all these rules that it feels like we have about the path to becoming a musician isn't there Mm, and I just love that you've literally smashed that on the head and you've said (laughs) no (laughs) I know I have something to give here because it I feel alive. And mm. so what if I've spent, you know, far many more years to come to that realisation? At least I've come to it now. Mm. You know, I think that's so important because there could yeah. be people that feel the same, but maybe are too scared or think that they've, you know, they're stuck, stuck with what they have chosen or mm. whatever. I think that's just, uh, just brilliant because it, I just don't think it's too late. I really, I really don't ever think it's too late if you really are, on fire with what you're doing and it comes from the right place there has to yeah. be a place for you you know i really yeah that. i i think there are there are two key ideas there is mm. if you didn't know how old you were that wouldn't stop you playing music yeah and and i think what what you said about all those rules being out, out there in the world is um People like to talk about rules and like to think about rules, but there are no rules, only people. So true. It's so true. 
And I mean, your audience isn't going to know how many years of study you've done. You know, if, if you touch them in yeah. the moment with your music, yeah. they really aren't going to care, I don't think. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but I kind of want to talk now a bit about business and hmm. about uh, maybe also your plans for the future and things. I mean, can you explain what your day job actually has been and what you've been doing in the business world at the, at the start and maybe recently? Sure. So I was working for um, initially a big consultancy firm and, and then I went to a smaller one. Hmm. And so, and we were, we were using technology to help insurance companies and um, specifically to help them with some tricky maths problems. And so I got to know a lot about how technology works and and how businesses work. I think in the smaller one, because it, it had only started maybe a year before, I got, I got to see how how that develops firsthand, uh, which was good. I, I got to know about office politics, mm. <laughs> which they <laughs> never teach you about. Um, <laughs> and um, and I think I think it was um, a bit like maths when I was growing up felt like a, a kind of safe way to be creative. The the nine to five um, and the consultancy ethos of serving clients um, gave me a really well-defined space to learn how to help people mm. in, a, in a meaningful way because everyone kind of agrees on uh, the boundaries so they, you agree a contract for some work and, the, and then you deliver the work and that's, that's it. Everything's very self-contained. Either you do the thing you said you'd do or you didn't. And, and you have all the emails flying around. I, I, yeah, just all, the, all those dynamics um, were really important to learn about firsthand. Very formative for me. I think it was uh, an important way to transition from loving maths to mm. just wanting to help the people that, that I care about. That's fascinating. So from this you know, from all the experience you've gained in, you know, working with clients and working with people on in a kind of office space and seeing the way that the business world works and everything, I kind of am wondering, is there some, anything in the music world or that you'd like, any advice you'd like to give to people or musicians or anyone, um, you know, in, in terms of the business side of the classical music world, is there something you see a lot that you think, oh, if only people knew this or if only people understood that this is what mm. i don't know if i'm making much sense but no it's it's a really it's a really important question and it to be honest i that's that's what i'm focusing on now is, yeah. is how to how to kind of put have have a space where people can learn to be both artists and in business mm. and because i think traditionally we see it as one or the other for sure. <laughs> and so I, m maybe a good place to start is that, is that everyone's in the human connection business, really. Mm. Musicians, painters, uh, brokers, consultants, everyone's in the human connection business. And in the business world, people have agreed certain boundaries and there's probably a lot of 
technical or domain specific knowledge or skills that are expected of you depending on, on what you're doing but but deep down everyone everyone's just trying to help other people mm-hmm. and and then I, th- I think it's it's the same with artists really in that you're trying to get that connection and and help people on on a different level by by making art and so i think realizing that there is that similarity underneath it all is is a really good first step yeah wow and you know in terms of what your kind of plans are for you know translating this business structure and um this whole kind of ethos what are can you tell us sort of about what your plans are for the future and and what you have coming up in terms of your music and all of that sure so uh, i'm i'm working pretty much full time now on on designing and building a community to connect artists and people in the business world and well creative people in the business world and so to do that i've spending the next few weeks just writing down all, all of these ideas I've been having. And mm. uh, I kind of made a start on my, on my blog um, during lockdown. But now that I'm really clear about who I want to help, uh, I'm able to, to put together lots of resources. So I'll, I'll be, I, lo- I love doing videos as well. So there'll, there'll be some of those Ooh. coming out. And, um, and then the, the idea is once I've kind of got some of that on paper, and once I'm talking about it, once I'm used to talking about it, um, then I'm, I'll be doing quite, quite a big launch on, on the 1st of November. And so from during October, I'll be, I'll be looking for people who, who are dreaming about being more creative, but feeling like the business world doesn't agree. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's going to be the, the focus after I've after I've started writing down well after I've put together all of these ideas with all the time I now have mm. and then um, the dream is is that we'll have this space where we can share different perspectives different experiences different ways of making art and and find the the human connection underneath it Mm. that sounds just exactly what we need to be honest (laughs) it sounds great can you give an example of the sort of ideas you have and the sort of uh, things you want to share with people and ways in which you want people to connect business and art and can you give an example of something that you that you're writing about or definitely there's um a connection i've noticed between constraints in the business world and and improvisation and so it it was kind of two books that that i'd read that that fired this off there was um a bit of quite a new business book that that it's called a beautiful constraint and it's um i i just think it's it says lots of very important things about the way the world works with scarcity and abundance Mm. and the idea there is that 
you make progress by asking seemingly impossible questions. Mm. So you, you end up, you start off feeling like you're in a double bind and then you have to invent your way out of it by changing some assumptions or looking at things in a different way. And that's kind of an, an imperative for most businesses now. So that, that's something I'd really like to translate in a way that the artists could understand. And meanwhile, from the other end of the spectrum, um, really enjoyed uh, reading The Art of Is by, by Stephen Nakmanovich, who's um, I think one, of the, one of the very best writers out there on improvisation. And his, his mentor, Gregory Bateson, who was a um, very, very interesting guy. There's very... Um, he, he, he posed a lot of riddles, I think. He, he looked at the world in a very, uh, very spiritual way, really. And, and one of the things he was really interested in was the concept of the double bind. And I just found it striking that there was this, this guy, this was maybe 30, 40 years ago, who said the double bind is super important for progress and for change and, and all of that stuff. And, and then you have these guys five years ago writing a book about it. Mm. And I thought there must be more things out there like that that I can write about and kind of draw those connections together for people. So I kind of see myself as a, as a translator, as an interpreter mm. between the two worlds. Yeah, because you've seen what works and what doesn't work in the business world. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the, you know, the ways in which clients respond to certain things and the things that work in terms of, yeah, in terms of structure and everything. And I think a lot of those things musicians aren't really taught to understand, you know. And I'm also interested that there seems to be a spiritual side to the business world that I didn't really know existed. Well, that, that's the thing that the business world is, um, you can't really get away with sounding spiritual. So yeah. you have to wait for, wait for things to be packaged up in a, in a way that, that sounds, sounds like you, sounds a bit more real, a bit more, yeah. more but, but I, I really think that lots of the ideas that are, are driving change in the business world are really old ideas and they're they are kind of spiritual ideas i, I one, of, one of my passions is is reading um ancient chinese philosophy um and there's just there's so much great stuff in there that mm. comes up in different ways um over and over again throughout history and so but i i think the the key is that it's all very well and good having an i having a cool idea whether it's a spiritual idea or a business idea but the work so what you actually spend your time doing um and what you put your energy into is usually a some kind of translation process or some kind of compromise between mm. the ideal that you can see and how the world is actually working right now yeah and i think the the hardest bit for me, the last few weeks has been shifting to allowing myself to be driven by what the world needs right now instead of what, what I want to just tell everyone about. So, I, I, yeah, kind of seeing myself as serving a certain group of people 
and communicating ideas that I think are important for them in a language that they'll understand and that they'll believe. Mm. Wow, that's so great. So if someone wants to find out more about what you do, is your your blog, I'm guessing, is able to be read by people? <laughs> yeah, How yeah. How do people I... read, read about your ideas and things? Yeah, so at the moment, I've I've got quite a lot of blogs on there, uh, blog posts. So that's that's at richardadamlewis.com. And also on there, you've got um, a few recordings of my piano music, if, if you're interested in that, in that side mm. of it. And um, not that the two are related, really. I, yeah. I, well, I think some of the writing is, is more geared towards music on, on the blog. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out if, if you've got some musical background. And, and I'm, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, and where, where else am I? Yeah, I, I think the website's probably the, the best place. But as, as I say, yeah. I'm um, kind of deep in, deep in designing and building the next few weeks. So there'll be, there'll be plenty more. And if, yeah. if people want to kind of join as soon as they can, um, I've, I've already got kind of a handful of people in the community. If you want to get in there before, before it all kicks off on 1st November, yeah. then um, really keen for people to, to get in touch with me at... Um, richard at richardadamlewis.com and i'm just really keen to hear about what creativity people dream about and what experiences they could bring to to this kind of community yeah so is there is there a sort of certain type of musician or person that you're specifically trying to talk to or who 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 exactly do you think you're uh, you want your audience to be or so so it's it's people who dream of being more creative mm. but feel like they they can't because because of the business world because of having to earn money or um yeah, yeah fe- feeling some other pressures some sort of external pressures that that seem to be blocking them from from expressing themselves creatively fabulous yes because i mean it's always a worry isn't it becoming a musician and putting your heart into it because i mean one of the first things a lot of people will respond with when you tell them what you want to do is oh well there's no money in that like (laughs) (laughs) as if people have have decided long ago what money is for and what it isn't yeah it's yeah (laughs) and i mean i'm i'm interpreting what you're saying is you want to give people confidence that there is a, there are opportunities for them to become whatever they want to be and have the yeah. financial side also. Yeah, this covered. this is this this is it. That the the idea that you can be whoever you want to be is is very true, in the strongest sense. In that you once you know what you want to do, there will be a way to make that work. Mm. and of course there will be some compromise but you yeah you you're once you found it you you really can become the person that you want to be and and it's it can be hard but but i i yeah just deeply believe that's that's there for for everyone who's who's able to see it yeah so in just kind of 
talking on quite basic terms, mm-hmm. I mean, if someone does want to set up a business, however mm-hmm. sort of small that might be, so, you know, maybe a teaching business or online um, resources or mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of other classical music sort of businessy things. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the first step um, of going about something like that? What would be your biggest piece of advice for setting up a business alongside either being a performer or mm-hmm. anything like that? Well, the, the first step is to be super clear about what you dream about what gets you out of bed in the morning because mm-hmm. if you if you're not clear about that and you try to do something else then it's going to be a lot harder and the, the second step which has to happen very soon after that um so you don't kind of get carried away is to look at the world as it is now and choose your minimum viable audience choose the people out there that you're going to help mm-hmm. and then everything you do after that so how you structure your lessons or or where you put your resources um what channels you use to talk to people everything should be geared towards how you can help those people and the more time you can spend at the beginning getting inside their head and really mm-hmm. empathizing with them the better and, and that will that will really pay off when you actually get into the detail of of doing it so if you do have a bit of time to to get it off off the ground in that way then then that's that's a really good way to to kick things off i yeah i just i I, might maybe because i'm naive and terribly cynical but i just i'm just so kind of struck by how holistically you want to talk about business and how your main motive is helping people and Mm -hmm. I can't pretend that's always how I've seen the business world (laughs) yeah you know it feels it's so much about exploitation and stuff and yeah yeah there's there is a lot of that still it it, there's there's a lot of um a lot of people out there and a lot of things out there which which are really not not nice and yeah kind of really not something that sort of unselfish people want want to be part of yeah that's what you hear about as well yeah that well that's what you see on the news and, and yeah. especially from the outside if you're seeing it as something that's other um it's it's very easy to get that impression and so it is still there if you if you want to work for a for a bank then um depending <laughs> on the bank it can be pretty horrible I yeah think. um but i think more and more partly because of the the kind of the way the sharing economy has massively exploded in all the different sectors. Um, you, you have to make some kind of human connection to stand a chance. Otherwise, it's a race to the bottom. Otherwise, you just kind of put your um, new music book on Amazon and you have to price it at like half the price of, your, of all the other competitors just to get people to buy it and then people buy it but you, you don't make a profit um so you can still do that if you want to but people are kind of collectively quite fed up with that and there will be people out there who are looking for a new connection that you can offer mm. and as as an artist as a musician you have so much to to offer in that regard because you you've spent so much time thinking about 
music and thinking about emotions and yeah. and all the things that actually touch people on a on a deeper level and so you you kind of you know how that works even if you haven't thought about it in terms of how do i monetize it mm. um you do actually you're quite familiar with with those emotions i, I guess the the jump is to serve specific people as opposed to serving music in general yeah because I, I would say an artist is there to serve art and someone in business is there to serve the people they've chosen to serve mm. and that can be a bit disorientating because people are very messy and they won't tell you what they really believe a lot of the time yeah. they'll, they'll contradict themselves and mm. um they don't make your lives your life easy um but that's kind of the whole point it means that there are loads of opportunities there to show up with something surprising something remarkable that people will tell their friends about mm. and then then you're then you're on to something at that point you've just given us so much confidence as musicians like, oh, <laughs> it's incredible like <laughs> i love it i have to i have to say it's um i love talking about it but behind it there's there's a lot of hard work yeah that goes into it and and i would say musicians and all artists in general are also very good at, at putting in the hours yeah uh, and being self-disciplined um and being able to work on your own in a in a room at a desk doing the hard work um and i think there's there's a lot of demand for that kind of that kind of work now it's it's just a case of really finding the people you want to do that work for mm. and then and then just really really going for it and it is tough um i'm definitely that's been a big uh kind of that's been the difficult bit of the roller coaster so far the last few weeks is kind of just yeah being there on my own trying not to play the piano too much <laughs> <laughs> when i have all these ideas that i want to share with people yeah. and and just kind of get on with it and and, and do the hard work um, realizing how much time it really takes to yeah to put a vision into practice mm -hmm. but i mean yeah i can't tell you how excited i am for you and excited that you you took what must have felt like a huge risk to then you know share your gifts in this way and to talk to musicians in a way that we aren't often spoken to and yeah it's it's just so exciting for me that you're doing this and I'm so behind you and I can't wait to see what happens great me too <laughs> yeah it's gonna be so cool <laughs> thanks so much thanks no so much. it's fine is there any any final words any final bits of advice or anything you'd like to end with saying um I, I think it was something I, I said earlier mm. um which just just feels like it sums it all up really there there are no rules only people mm. and find the people you care about and work really hard for them and you'll be okay that's that's kind of the the message I, mm. I think at the moment thank you so much for saying that and I think we yeah we need to hear that at the moment for sure but it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Richard. Thank you so much you for too. talking to us. Oh Thanks goodness. so much for having me.